All right, church, how are we doing today? We alive? Come on, somebody, make some noise through those masks. Come on, please. All right, hey, it's like y'all getting used to me speaking. You're used to the engagement. I love it. We need more of that all the time. Well, real quick, those who do not know who I am, my name is Josh Olson. I get to be here with you today. I am excited to be here with my family. Real quick, as I like to do every single time I have a mic in my hand, can we give it up for our worship team one time? Come on, man. I don't know about you, but I love being led and worshiped by such amazing people. And we know that you could be doing anything on this Sunday morning and you decide to hang out with us and serve and give your talents to the Lord. So we appreciate that. How are we doing? We good? We okay? I want some honest answers real quick. Shout out to me. How are we doing? Be honest. This is church. How are we doing? Huh? Amazing. Okay. Come on, somebody. How are we doing? I don't want one. Tired. Thank you. Honesty. Let's go. What else? How are we doing? Whoa, were you hungry? Someone's hungry. Get this man some goldfish. We got some of the kids, okay? But I ask that because, man, like this is what it's all about, man. This is family. And I'll be honest, I'm in that with you right now. I'm tired, man. Allergies have been kicking my butt this week. Whoa, I need some extra, extra doses of that Zyrtec. I'm trying to tell you, I'm a little bit tired, but guess what? Guess what, church? Today, I want to get you more acquainted with a God who loves you, a God who can give you rest, a God that can give you wisdom, a God that can give you strength, a God who has destroyed fear, which is what we celebrated last weekend, a God who is on your side, a God that is ready to fill your cup to be overflowing, a God that is here today. We get to celebrate that Lord and Savior. If that does not get you excited, I need a little bit of noise in this place today. Come on, somebody. We are here, we are alive, we get to do church, there are people in the building, and I'm ecstatic to be here with you right now. I want to thank uh, Pastor Eric, man, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak today. And a quick shout out to the Lindine family, man. Uh, Kristen and Eric, they have just been such amazing people to my wife and I, and I know a lot of people out there as well, especially those who are here or tuning in online. Uh, man, thank you, Eric, your family is amazing, and for those who don't know, man, Always, every single day, every single encounter you have with Pastor Eric is pastor appreciation moments, okay? Make sure the man knows how grateful you are because, man, without his vision and his guidance, man, this church wouldn't be here today. So praise God on his heart, man. We love that. Today I want to dive right in. I got a little bit of time. I don't usually care about the time, but I want to be generous of your time. So we're going to have some fun. We're going to dive into John 12. And as Pastor Eric said, we're in the gospel series of John but we're kind of taking a different route to go into a mini-series to talk about our church. For those who don't know, our main three core values, if you know it, please shout it out with me. We are here to love God, come on, love God, serve, and make disciples. Boom. Cheat sheet. All right? This is what we're all about. And as I was sharing with the team earlier outside as we were rallying, getting ready to go, I believe that God did put a vision and word in Eric's heart as he was praying about what this church should be all about. And look what the very first word is here at our church. That's got to mean something, man. That we're here to love God. Nothing else really matters besides that main kickoff. And so I want to kick off today by talking about that. Anybody else love God out there today? Come on, we're going to be talking about a topic that is on fire. It's literally the reason why we celebrated last week. We are here to love God. And personally, one of the best ways I like to show God love is through worship. If you've ever seen me on the drums, if you've ever seen me up front, if you've ever seen me worshiping, I move. I move so much. I've tried to conceal, but I can't, man. I, I have too much excitement, energy, and love when it comes to the love of God. And my hope and prayer today is that you guys can experience that with me this morning. 
I love to worship. And worship is not just song. I grew up thinking, okay, worship is only, you know, your typical hand raising, whatever you need to do. Okay, songs, drumming, worship, singing. No, worship is way more than that. Worship is way more than just going to church. Worship is way more than just reading your Bible or praying or being in community with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It can be all that, but it's more than that. I love this quote that I want to read for you this morning. To worship God is to humble everything about yourself and exalt everything about him. Come on, somebody. I'm going to read it again for the ones in the back. To worship God is to humble everything about ourselves and exalt everything about him. Worship is really about whatever you're doing in your life to lay down at the feet of the cross. Worship is not just a category, it is a lifestyle, and I'm here to talk to you about that today. And if you can't tell, my watch is already telling me to calm down. I might be closing my rings because I'm so excited already today to talk about this topic. Worship is, again, why we celebrate last week. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but he have eternal life. We celebrate and worship the gospel. This is why we worship. So we're going to dive right in. I want to read the scripture to you. We'll be going out John 12, 1 through 8. Just eight verses, people. Work with me with just eight verses. I kept it short and sweet. If you have your Bibles, great. If you have your apps, please open those up. If not, we have the scripture right here, and I'll read this for you. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus has raised from the, raised from the dead. So they gave... So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, I love that. And Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one one of his disciples, he was about to betray him, said, why? Was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he really cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having cha- uh, being in charge of the money bag he used to help himself to whatever was put in it. Jesus said, leave her alone. Oof, we'll talk about that in a second. Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you as we say that we can welcome your Holy Spirit here in this place. Lord, I pray as your Holy Spirit does whatever it needs to do in this place, Lord, that we will experience that today. Lord, you are the way maker. Even when we can't see it, you're working. God, even when we can't feel it, the Holy Spirit is still here in our midst. And I pray as we dive into that today that we will just ultimately worship you. Wherever we are in life, let us just worship at your holy feet this morning because you are so worthy. God, we thank you that we get a little tease of summer. Lord, I ask that we bump that up quicker so we can jump in the 70s sooner. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Talk about warm weather in Minnesota, everyone gets hyped, I'm trying to tell you. Anybody here a fan of uh, illusionists or like magic tricks, card tricks? Anybody? Anybody at all? Okay, some of you. 
For those who don't know, um, I am a huge fan of illusionist card trick, those type of things. And if those don't know, our youth director, Ethan, is actually a phenomenal card magician. Like, honestly, if we had more time, I'd have him come up here and show us. But if you need to see him sometime, I'm sure he probably has a deck of cards in his back pockets. That's how he keeps the kids engaged to the gospel. Come on. I'm telling you, he is amazing. And we've had moments where he has seen how excited I am about card tricks. Now, I, I just get, I get wild. I can't contain myself. I get very excited. And I kind of broke it down into four steps of magic trick excitement, excitement for me, okay? The first one is I'm very excited because I got chosen to be the volunteer. I'm so excited. Pick me, pick me. Yes, I made it, right? This is me. It's a you and me moment. I get pumped. The second part, which a lot of you guys can probably relate to, is you start focusing very closely on what's going on because you will figure it out, right? You're like, oh, no, he's not going to get me this time. Like, I got this. And you start focusing Stage three, at least for me, you realize very quickly that you have no idea what's happening in this trick. And you lose focus on what's happening or what's about to go down, which then builds up to stage four, which is where your mind is absolutely blown. And for me, it usually results in me saying, oh, like, and I just run away. I don't know why. I'm not sure why I always run away, but it's one of those moments I'm like, what is happening? This was amazing. And as, as, as uh, Ethan knows, it could be the simplest trick. Something's, he could have pulled a card from my ear and be like, oh my gosh, right? Like, this is happening. But I think what happens is I get, I get so lost in the illusion that I lose focus on what really matters. I get so lost in all the cool movements and the snapping and the clapping, the alakazam and whatever's going on that I just lose focus of what's going on. Because really, it's a sleight of hands. It's really distraction, right? So I lose focus on what's going on, the right thing. And I wonder today, church, how many times... Do we get lost focusing on the wrong thing? How many times do we get so lost focusing on the wrong thing that we miss the right thing? How many times do we miss taking those precious moments in life because we're so distracted by actually the pointless details? To give you an example, my wife is here today, and if you hear any loudness from the back, that's my daughter, Kinsley. She's Bob, my biggest fan. And... Um, our wedding day was a disaster. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you about it. She knows. She's like, amen. It was crazy. Things were not showing up on time. There was a golf tournament happening during the ceremony. No joke. I can't make this up. No joke. It's like, ping. Are you ready to be married? It was just really weird. A car blew up in the parking lot. True story. I'm not making this up. Our wedding planner's car, the one who's going to be in charge of the whole day, ignited into an inferno in the parking lot. Praise God, no one was in there or around, but they had to take a bobcat and push it into the course so it didn't light the other cars on fire. I'm not making this up, people. Our wedding day, a car blew up. Like, what? It was a wild day. And honestly, we were so both lost in all the hectic stuff going on that we really were not able to enjoy the beautiful moment that was happening, that we were getting married, a milestone in our lives that I'm so grateful for. But there was one moment, and I'll remember this forever. One of my best friends from Switzerland, he came and he sang in our wedding. And he sang the song, Give Me Faith by Elevation. And I remember standing there with my wife, holding her hands. And the first time in that whole hectic, crazy day, we were able to look into each other's eyes and worship. And we started crying because nothing else mattered. Nothing else mattered. No car blowing up, no golf tournament, no forest, nothing that mattered. We were so excited about what we were doing. We felt that we were able to worship in that moment. We were able to humble everything about ourselves and exalt everything about him. And so today, I want to ask us, church, where in our lives 
Are we so focused on other things that we need to chill out on ourselves, our agendas, our plans, our views, our needs, our struggles, and even our joys, and exalt everything about Jesus Christ? What is it in your life right now that you are so focused on that you're missing the most important thing? And ultimately, I want to ask, when was the last time you really worshipped? Like, really worshipped? We're going to dive back into the gospel. Start from the beginning here. I want to break this down so we're all on the same page of what's happening here and what's going down. So six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whose Jesus had just raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served. I love that. I want to pause for a second. Martha served. So context, we're jumping back. I know we celebrated Easter and Good Friday last week, but we're jumping back before all this went down. And I love how it said Martha served. If you remember the story about Mary and Martha when Jesus came for another dinner time, it was a very similar aspect where Martha was working and getting everything ready and focusing on the dishes and the food and everything's all ready to go. And you find Mary at the feet of Jesus worshiping. And I love that story because what Martha was doing wasn't wrong. Just like here at church, we got to get here, get set up, practice, do rehearsal, get everything ready to go. That's a sign of worship. But what I love about that story is Mary was at the feet of Jesus. I believe that's a better form of worship. Just taking time to be with Jesus. And it continues on and it says, uh, let's see, the Lazarus. Yeah, again, Lazarus was one reclined at the table. Mary there took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Pause. We're going to get super real very quick because things got real in this story. I want you to pretend you are a fly in the wall witnessing what's going on. First off, imagine the hype of this situation. Like a lot is going down. First off, Jesus is hanging out having dinner. Okay, you're there. You're in that moment. Jesus is with you having some food. Dinner is being served. And I believe that tensions are kind of already high because you're leading up to some stuff that was about to go down that was not very pretty. There's only six days before this all happened, right? So all of a sudden, Mary comes out and starts washing Jesus' feet. To wash someone's feet back in that time was probably the biggest sign of honor, worship, and respect. Because they didn't get pedicures. They didn't have socks and Nikes or foot baths to keep their feet clean. They had sandals. They walked around and poop all the time. I'm just saying I'm being honest today. It was dirty, okay? You would not put yourself at the feet of somebody unless you were really trying to show that sign of respect. But vision this. Mary is on the ground at Jesus' feet, washing those gross feet, because yes, even Jesus had gross feet, with priceless perfume. And then drying Jesus' feet with her hair. Not a towel, not a napkin, but her hair. Guys, this is so crazy. If this is not a form of worship, I don't know what is. If this isn't worship, I don't know what is. But the story goes on. But Judas, one of his disciples... He who was about to betray him said, Why is this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he really cared about what was going on, but because he was a thief. And having been in charge of the money bag, he used to help himself from it. He used to embezzle from it. That's what he was all about. And then Jesus speaks. Come on, church. I'll try to tell you, man. In those moments, in these stories where Jesus decides to share a word, he comes out guns blazing. He says, leave her alone. 
Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. Now I want to talk about this real quick because that last sentence can kind of get you maybe a little bit, oh, wait, Jesus, are you, are you saying that the poor are unimportant? Are you saying that I'm supposed to not focus on them? What's, what's really going on? And just so we're all on the same page, church, obviously Jesus is not saying that poor people are not important. Those who are in need are not important. Actually, back then I did some research that this quote here is actually quoting scripture back in Deuteronomy. And back in this time when they were having dinner, it would have been like Jesus saying, hey, remember that saying? Or hey, that sticks and stones. It was a very familiar saying back then where it says in Deuteronomy, it says this, there will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and who are in need. Jesus cares about the poor. But what he's saying is, there's something more important going on right now. Worship team, you can start coming up as I'm going to start kind of wrapping up. Don't get too excited, church, because I'm too excited today. What I love about this passage is the very first thing that Jesus said in the midst of all the stuff that's going on is leave her alone. Because there are so many times if you read the Bible where people do something that's a little bit awkward, not status quo, a little out of the ordinary, and usually the very first thing Jesus says is stop. Don't worry about them. Right here he's saying leave her alone. Let her do her thing. She is getting her worship on. Back off, Judas. Chill. Let her do what she feels led to do. Let, us, let her focus on the right things. And stop worrying about the things that don't really matter. Stop focusing on the wrong things. See, Jesus, or Mary was taking advantage of an irreplaceable moment with a replaceable thing. I'm going to read that again. Mary was taking advantage of an irreplaceable moment with a very replaceable thing. Her eyes were on the right place. No money, not her hair, not the dirtiness of Jesus' feet, not even what anyone thought of her would stop her from worshiping Jesus in that moment. She was so focused on the right thing that the wrong things didn't even matter. Remember how I asked all this earlier, what are the things in life that we're so focused on that we miss the things that actually matter? Now I want to take us one step further. What if we had a Mary-like worship where we were so full in worship and so focused on the right things that the wrong things didn't even matter? What if that's how we lived our lives? I'll tell you what, last year would have looked a lot different if we lived our lives more focused on the right thing than being distracted by the wrong things. I gotta be honest, I wasn't gonna say this, but I grew up in a different country. I grew up in New Guinea for 14 years of my life. And I'll be honest, I love that I'm here. I love America. I'm not saying I don't. But I'll be honest, experiencing a different culture and then coming to this first world culture, America, we are some pretty selfish people, me included. Me included. And we can get so distracted on things that really don't matter, church. We can get so distracted on the news, on social media, not necessarily even bad things, just fun things, sports, whatever. We can get so distracted on things that really don't actually matter and lose focus on things that really do matter. So church, I want to ask you today, what if we lived a life that was so full of worship that it wasn't even a question on what we do when we're struggling. That was an easy ASAP answer. We are going to the feet and the cross of Jesus. What if we lived a life where we 
worshiped. Not just because you're here at church, not just because you might read your Bible every day. What if that was a lifestyle? And I love this, I was singing this, and I'll be honest with you, I feel like this is a word for somebody that I'm just gonna say this. What if we worship with the confidence that all, that with all the confidence in the world that knowing that our worship is what changed our circumstance? Come on. What if we worshiped so much that our worship truly changed our circumstance? Wow. That can be a lifestyle for you, church. And guess what? You're going to have a moment to do that in a few seconds, man. I would have not preached on this and not give you an opportunity. But as I wrap up here, I got to finish with one final story. One of my favorite Bible stories is actually uh, one of the craziest that's ever happened. A person besides Jesus walked on water. Crazy, crazy story. Please check it out more. But it's that moment where Jesus had left the disciples. And the disciples were in a boat, as they were a lot of the time. And a storm happened. Always happened, right? There's a storm happening. Tensions were high. What's going to happen? Where is Jesus? What are we going to do? This is crazy. God, save us. Why did you leave us? Why do things bad always happen bad when you're not there, Jesus? And all of a sudden, Jesus just comes walking on the water. I love it. He's just so chill. <laughs> walking out on the water, coming to help out. But the disciples were so scared that they called him a ghost. They're calling out to Jesus. Jesus is showing up and they're calling him a ghost. How many times in your life are we calling out to Jesus that we miss him being right in front of us, church? I'm saying this for me too. So Jesus is coming. They doubt. So Peter, love my man Peter. Wow. He says, okay, Jesus, if that's really you, tell me to come out the boat and I'll walk to you. Jesus said, all right, come on out. Can you just imagine storm coming up? Peter steps over the railing. Oh, my. Okay. Steps out, other foot, and he's standing on water. Jesus and Peter are standing in the water. So he takes a step, looking at Jesus. Takes another step, looking at Jesus. This man is walking on water. This is real stuff, people. He's walking on water. Another step. Jesus' hand out, come on, you're doing good, look at me. But then what happens? Peter starts to look about the storm, the wind, the chaotic stuff that's going on, the distractions, the things that really don't matter, church. And he takes his eyes off the one thing that matters, and he begins to sink. He begins to sink. He's going down. He's freaking out. He's even more scared than he was before when the storm was going on. He's like, this is it. But obviously the story doesn't end there. Jesus reaches down and grabs him, pulls him out of the water like he does for us every single time. But we forget. We lose faith. We have doubt. We have fear. Jesus pulls him up. And again, the story is not over because then he says, why did you doubt Ultimately, why did you take your eyes off me? You were doing so well. Why did you doubt? Why did you look at everything else around you? That stuff doesn't matter. I matter. I matter. So church, my hope today is that we can live a lifestyle where we are so full in worship that even when it's hard, even when there's distractions, even when we don't want to, we are focused on the one thing that matters that will help you out. I want to encourage us today, church, to dive into that. 
let this take you through your week, knowing that the reason why we can worship is because what happened last week, what we celebrated last weekend. We have a God who loves and saves. And so here's what's going to happen. As I know the band's legs are getting tired from me bringing them up too early. I'm sorry. But church, I'm going to give us an opportunity to respond, to worship. And I'm going to be up here too because as I mentioned before, I can't not worship. I can't. I love it. I get amped. But guess what? Worship is probably the biggest moment that it's just you and Jesus. So I want to encourage you to worship however you feel led to. If you want to get up out your seat and move, great. If you want to kneel on the ground like Rob does every time we pray, which I love, bro, you do that. If you want to just sit and soak, great. Doesn't matter. Don't matter about anybody else. You have a Mary and Jesus moment in this time. We're going to leave you alone. We're going to say, have your way with this time. Do what you got to do. So we're going to go into this song. I'm really excited about it. We're going to dive in. We're going to worship. But I want to challenge you guys to all dive in. But I decided not to sing the tune, so you can switch whenever you're ready. But we're going to dive into this final worship song. It's like a mix of three songs. And I want you guys to get after it today, church. Don't worry about what's happening to your left or to your right or in front of you or behind you. Dive into this moment. And I'm going to pray as we dive in so that we can truly experience the power the Holy Spirit. So God, we love you so much. Ah, Jesus, we love you. God, thank you for loving us. God, thank you that when we come to the feet of Jesus, that you help block out all the other things that don't really matter you are always on our side say hey leave him alone let him worship let her worship I pray right now that we can worship that as we go into worshiping with song as we go into worshiping with prayer that this honestly pushes us out of this Sunday into our week in a lifestyle of worship God because you are so worthy we sing it all the time I pray as a church that we can truly experience the worship of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we need more of you. Let us humble ourselves and exalt everything about you. No matter what you're going through in this time, struggles, joys, pain, fear, whatever it is, we lay it at the feet of Jesus. We lay it at the cross and we worship. Jesus, we love you. Let's worship.